Not Boys. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Not Boys podcast. I'm Adam. And I'm Benj. And we're going to be your hosts today. Um, we are joined by a very, very special guest. We're here with Rebecca. Hello, Rebecca. Hi, everyone. How are you? Fantastic. Really, really good. Feeling nice. We're very excited for today's episode. Um, and with guests, we like to do a bit of a word of the podcast. Um, shout out to my friend's grandmother for writing these words for us. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, who wanted to start here? I'll go first. You'll go first? I was about to say, I'll start. Oh my but... God, I'm so sorry. Yeah, Adam's just a bit of no, a rude host. Fine compassionate oh that's a nice one hey hey pop that back in don't let anyone else miss out okay okay understood oh oh goosebumps given the gala voice and she feels understood (laughs) wow god i'm gonna just tuck in here give it a bit of a mix what have i got Compassionate. Oh my god. Maybe we should have shuffled them a bit more. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a sign, you know? It's okay. I'm Let's... feeling I'm feeling quite gentle this morning. Gentle. Do you gentle. want to go into that? Um yeah, we can go into that a little bit. So yeah, yesterday I had a yoga class, the first one in a while. And I don't know, like since I've moved away from home to the north of Melbourne, I hadn't really realized like how like where I was, I think. And, and now the excitement's kind of dying down. And when I was in that class, I kind of like realized where I was and I was overwhelmed with just sadness and like homesickness. Not for my old home, not for my parents' home, for the actual land, like, and the beach. I was literally tearing up in my class mm. because I miss the beach and trees. We're definitely going to go for that beach walk that you asked for then. Yeah, I need it. I really do. And that's I'm realizing like... All that shit about people saying, oh, yeah, carve out time for things that are important for you. Like, I'm realizing now that, like, that's so essential. Mm. And, like, realizing what those things are. Yeah, absolutely. It's just nature right now. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm feeling very... But you're on yeah. home turf now. Yeah. So, you know? are you feeling calmer now that you're closer to the beach? I actually um, was driving home. Sorry, driving here. Mm. Um, and I was listening to Touch the Sky by Kanye West and Lupe Fiasco. Tune. And he says, he said a line. It was just like, it feels good to be home. And I said that. And as soon as I said that, I literally just broke down crying. Love that. Like broke down crying on the way home. And I was like, fuck, like, wow. That's nice. It's it's also really nice that that you get to see how much this area means to you. Well, that's the thing. You've grown up here. This is your whole childhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I underestimated the power of like the land. So I, I grew up in Black Rock. That's where I spent like the first 10 years of my life. Yeah. And I get the same feeling when I go back to Black Rock. It's like this really heavy, just grounding mm. calmness. It's weird how a place can do that to you. Mm-hmm. And just the ocean. I don't know. Like yeah. just being so close to the ocean, like I need it more. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I'm a bit envious of you two for having that because I moved around a lot as a kid. Mm. Like I was in a new house every year. So I never really got that. Hectic. Yeah. That sort of experience. Mm. Um but yeah, oh, now I'm sad. Aww. I feel like I'm missing out on something. <laughs> but it's okay. You'll you know? find that though. Like you'll move into a house or like an area where you just feel so calm and you'll live there for years and mm. your time will come. My time will come. Yeah, let's not push for things, you know. Gentle. Moments will, moments Gentle. Will. Gentle. Yeah. Good. I like that. Good. Um, one, of the dis- one of the topics we want to discuss today is um, how to feel confident 
mm. you know? We're sitting with a very confident individual here. Um, <laughs> Beck, like, we've been friends for a, f- a few years now. A few years, yeah. And you are someone who I see is very, very comfortable with themselves and in their own skin. Yeah. And I think it's an amazing thing. And I was just, yeah, how, how what, what is the story of it? Like, how did it happen? Has it just always been you? I was actually talking about this with someone the other day. And because they were saying the same thing. They were like, you know, for someone that's 24 years old, you're very sure of yourself and you're very confident in who you are. And I honestly think it's come from my mum just giving me so much love when I was Mm. a kid. Like her and my auntie constantly telling me I'm beautiful, that I'm talented, (laughs) all that stuff, you know. Like it's that classic, like secure nurturing that Mm. you have when you're a kid. Mm. And I think I've just carried that through my adult life. And also I think a massive thing that I've been really aware of maybe in the past like 10 months is like staying in your own lane Mm. and not worrying about, you know, what others are doing or how others are looking or how others are dressing, etc. Can can we dive into that a little bit? Yeah. Because I think... I, I, that resonates with me a lot yeah. personally because I feel like a lot of the time I'm like, what are other people doing? You go on Instagram, you're like, ah, shit, Absolutely, I'm missing out yeah. on something. How do you sort of stay in your lane? Oh, I think it's like a constant process of reminding yourself who you are, what you're about, what your values are, what your beliefs are, what you do in your daily life. Just those sort of things. I don't know, like for example... I'm doing my master's. I'm interested in politics. I'm interested in ethics. I like to do yoga. Hmm. You know, all these little things that I think, although you shouldn't compare and compete with others, but they're things that you know that you enjoy that are unique to you. And I think it's really important to remind yourself of those. Hmm. But it's also hard to find those things. Absolutely, yeah. You're saying like your values, your beliefs, like to actually explore those Mm. and then be like, okay, this shit is sacred to me yeah and then like protecting that like yeah does that take time has that taken time no for sure and I think that was really nurtured in my undergraduate degree when I was doing philosophy and human rights and anthropology and learning about different cultures and learning about Mm. different ways of thinking and sort of picking and choosing what I aligned most with I think that was huge for me because I think without my undergraduate I'd be a completely different person it had such an impact on me such an impact and then those sort of ideas that I learnt, carrying them through to my master's Mm. in public policy. And obviously politics is like a cesspit of just, you know, all different views, all different people, Mm. all different situations. Knowing what I hold true to myself and applying it to social situations, I think is, yeah, it's definitely informed a massive part of my life and who I am and my confidence Mm. for sure. Because in a conversation with people, you know, five years ago in a conversation with people, I'd try and be the loudest voice, try and have the biggest opinion. But now I really sit back and listen to what others have to say mm. and then put my opinion out in time. Is that know? because you have security within yourself and like you don't need to prove anything? I think so. That's pretty cool. But that's yeah. wild. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's so wild. But it's something to be proud of. Yeah, I guess. You know? Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, like, for sure. I've got friends who genuinely like, they just they're there you know you Mm. know they're there they don't speak too much at social Mm. gatherings and things like that but 
when they're gone, you 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 feel that their presence is missing, mm. you know? Mm. And like to have that effect on someone, for me, it's like, it's crazy because mm. as you said, like loud voice, be out there. That, that's still me. Mm. Yeah, um, same. <laughs> same. <laughs> um, so that's really cool that you've been able to like channel that and like bring it into your life. Yeah, but it's obviously a work in progress. Mm. Like you grow so much. And I feel like the growth that I've done even in the last two years has been massive. Mm. I want to ask actually about your undergrad because I feel like nowadays people really talk shit about philosophy and undervalue what it actually does and think it's woohoo and not important and I completely disagree with that and like even just reading a little bit about philosophy has just helped me personally find my way and orient myself a bit better in the world and people just talk shit about it and say it's not important but like what you're saying is that it pretty much taught you how to interact in the world and think, which I think is what mm. uni is for. Mm. So how did you like, what is your perception of how philosophy can be used and how it, you utilized it and like how it's been good for you and why it's still important? Well, for me, I was always really interested in ethics and morality and how those sort of guide people's lives. But it's the classic saying for me treat people how you want to be treated. And I feel like using that as a premise and taking that into all your engagements is super important. But also just, like we were talking about it before, like enjoying your life. Mm. Like I'm a bit of a hedonist in that way. Mm. Like I don't like overworking myself because I find I can't enjoy other areas of my life like friendships and relationships. So I always try and search for the option that's going to benefit me the most and bring me the most pleasure Mm. which you know in some situations probably isn't the best (laughs) because I have a bit of a rubber arm right but at the same time like if I have a whole day to myself I'm going to go for a two-hour walk and then I'm going to come home and like make myself some really nice food And then go to the beach for like three hours. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's a complete me day. And I Mm. think that's so important. But I don't know. Like, Do you you think that people undervalue philosophy though as well? Like for sure. But people undervalue a lot of things. Like for example, people might undervalue philosophy. But I undervalue like economics. Like in my public policy class, like my professor's always like, you must, you might have the most well-intentioned idea, but it doesn't mean it's going to make a good policy. Mm. And for me, that was a real shock, but everything within policy is like built on economics. Like if it's not going to make the government money or it's not going to be, if it's not going to be like economically viable, Mm. they're just not going to do it. And for me, I'm like, that's so dumb. Like if it's going to improve people's lives, just throw money at it. Mm. But it's like me not valuing like the monetary side of things Mm. because... I just don't see that as like a massive factor within life. But of course it is. But people value different things, right? I like that. Like, I don't value AFL, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's like some people's whole lives. Yeah, genuinely. Yeah. Okay. So how do you feel that your confidence has enabled you to interact in the world? Hmm. That's an interesting question. I feel like going into like dating, for example, Mm. 
going into a date and being like, and I always say this to people, like I say this to my best friend all the time before she's like a bit nervous for a date. And this always calmed me down as well. Going into a date and being like, I'm going into this aiming to be someone's friend. Mm. Like going in very platonically, obviously like you want something romantic to happen, but going in being like, I want to be this person's friend. I want to get to know them. And I want to show like, you know, the most wholesome, not wholesome, but the most grounded part of me and Mm. not trying to, I guess, be someone else Mm -hmm. is huge. And I think stripping away that like, I don't know, facade of maybe like romance or sexiness Mm. and just being yourself is huge. Mm. I think that's probably how I bring confidence into my life. Was that even the question? Oh my God, I went on a tangent. I think think that was beautiful. And it was also a really good um, segue into what we want to talk about next, which is how to initiate in terms of like relationships as well. Mm. Um, You said like stripping away that, Mm. you're going for more of that plutonic vibe. And I think that's a really good piece of advice to just be comfortable when going into something. So when you do initiate a conversation, whether it be at a bar or going into a date, Mm. like you're giving them you. Yeah. And then there's less to be scared of. Let's go yeah. into that a little bit more, actually, though, because, like, I was speaking to a guy. This is, we were on the street, actually. This is, like, uh, last year. A young guy came up to us after we had released a couple episodes and was like, how do I talk to women? And I said to him, talk to him like he's a guy. Sorry, she's a guy in a heteronormative relationship. But, like, um, when I said that, I meant, like, like talk to them like they're your friend and you don't – it's not obvious yeah. that you want to fuck them and, like – I was speaking to a friend yesterday even and he was saying that like if you're if you have the intention of sex on your mind but you don't want to be sleazy like you don't want to obviously be very objective about the fact that you want to have sex with this person and you're like hiding that that's going to project that's going to come out and be very obvious that like you're avoiding this sleaziness yeah they're going to pick up on that shit that's fully been like my biggest issue issue as of late like obviously I want to be sleeping with people because, Mm. you know, we like to have fun (laughs) and I'm not ashamed of that. But I've also just been like, I felt like that's been projecting more than my ability to have a conversation with someone and connect Mm. with someone. You know, what's really interesting. So when I was like dating women a bit, it was so different to how I would date men. Mm. And immediately it was like this because Adam and I have talked about this before when you're getting to know someone at a bar or something or you're going on a date. Like, I want to know your family trauma. I want to know, like, your deepest and darkest secrets. I want to know your values, like, immediately so Mm. I know if we're going to get on. And, like, with women, that came out automatically. Fuck. Like, maybe it was the women that I was around and that I was interested in, but immediately we were like these open books. Mm. It was insane. And I found it so much easier Mm. to talk and to be open and to like share stuff from my past than I ever would with a guy. And I was like, that is so interesting. (laughs) And that speaks to so much. What do you, what do you think would happen if a guy was to open up and be like, you know, go on, tell me what are your family traumas? Do you reckon you'd be able to open up? I'd be so into it. Yeah. I'd be so into it. If they initiated it, I'd be like, yeah, let's go. Let's go. But at the same time, like... Balance. Balance. Yeah. And there's a time and a place as well, right? Hmm. Do you find that you can tell if a guy wants to fuck you? Okay. So, <laughs> I have a go. story. Please. All right. So, I worked with this guy 
for like two years at this cafe in Armadale. And he saw me go out with different guys, get a boyfriend, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the whole time we were working, like he, he had a fiance, then they broke up and then he was just like enjoying his life. And he was always like a bit flirty and stuff, but I was like, Ugh, whatever. Mm. Like, you know, guys are always a bit like that. Especially friends sometimes, they can sort of lose track of the friendship. Mm. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> so he was always like this. And then... I, he moved back to Sydney. I got another job was living my life. Anyway, he was meant to come down to Melbourne or he did come down to Melbourne like a month ago. And he was like, come see us play. He's in this band. And I just missed it. I think I was away or something. And I was like, sorry, I'm away. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he came back down last weekend and he was like, we're playing at this show. I've got you like VIP backstage, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, cool. Like, that's sick. And then I was talking because I work with all guys where I work pretty much. And I was telling them about the situation and I was like, I sort of don't want to go though. And they're like, why don't you want to go? And I was like, oh, I just have this like overwhelming feeling he wants to bang. And they were mm. like, okay, show us the messages. Mm. And I was showing them the messages and they're like, yeah, no, they want, like he wants to bang. And I was like, God, how do I get out of this? I made some stupid excuse to get out of it. Awkward if he listens to this. Anyway, <laughs> um, but I had no idea. I was just being so naive because I was like, he's a friend. He's always been a friend to me. But that, like, the boys at work were like, dude, he's probably wanted to bang this whole time mm. he's known you. And I'm so naive to that. Mm. And then my other mate from work was like, you need to make it more obvious to people that you're in a relationship. And mm. I'm like, but at the same time, what am I going to do? Like, in the first five minutes of meeting someone, oh, by the way, I have a boyfriend. Mm. Like, I do drop it into conversation. But, you know, you always hear those instances where someone's just like having a friendly chat and the mm. other person's like i'm in a relationship and it's like okay like i was just trying to hang out yeah, i'm not yeah. trying to bang you yeah. know what i mean yeah so i find it hard but like at the same time sometimes it's super obvious people want to bang like it's like because i struggle with this i struggle with like putting out the energy that i would like to have sex with someone if i'm into them and i like play the platonic side like too hard even to avoid being perceived as sleazy so what is like it's 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 definitely a dance like that kind of sexual energy interaction how do you play with that or how have you played with that in the past oh my god so (laughs) oh my god (laughs) um you know what's really interesting like just thinking about that when i'm in melbourne Mm. like the way i date is i usually use dating apps or i'll talk like if i get with someone not on a dating app they're like a friend Mm. but when i'm overseas it's like a completely different story and there's more of that song and dance because you're meeting someone for the same for the first time they're from like brazil or like canada yeah And it's like, yeah, it's that song and dance. You're like getting to know each other. You can feel the chemistry. Mm. I don't know, but I've never, I've never like, this is my confidence as well. Mm. If I see someone that I'm interested in, I'll just go like balls deep. I'll just go for it. (laughs) And like, like but that's what the confidence is. Just Mm. being like, you know what stuff? And I'm just going to give it a go. So, So what do you do in that situation? Like, how do you initiate? How do you initiate? I don't know, just like a smile from across the room. Yeah. <laughs> I've done that before. So when I was in, when I was doing my Southeast Asia trip with my friend, yeah. 
like the way that she'd like tell me to pick up guys was so funny like it was those classic things you see in movies like holding a drink and like looking over and being like hey, <laughs> and that shit works that shit works man <laughs> eye contact is everything i can't oh my god i legitimately <sighs> picked up at a bar once based off eye contact dude eye contact it's something that my partner now like we oh. you're only talking eye contact oh my god. <laughs> like i'm getting goosebumps thinking about it we are like big eye contact people like it's insane and mm. that's one thing as well that i'm massive on when like i went out on a date with this one guy like at the start of oh my god last year mm. and during the sex he gave me no eye contact yeah. jesus Ugh. Yeah. and i was like you're done like it was <laughs> so weird like not being able to like look into someone's eyes mm. was the weirdest thing. And even Are when they not we were, into it, is that what it is? I don't know. And then even within the day, like before the sex, mm. like there was no eye contact. Jesus. And obviously, I think it's maybe an insecurity yeah. thing potentially. But I found it very disconcerting because I'm like, I if I can't stare into someone's eyes, I'm like, I feel like I'm not knowing you. Mm. It's really weird. You, your eyes respond without you knowing. Absolutely. Like you can tell when someone's smiling. Yeah. Depending on their eyes. Like I feel if their like eyes, eye contact just picked up so much. It definitely well, did. It's like leveled <laughs> up. Um have you ever been on a date, a walking date, and you're not making eye contact? Yeah. Yes. It is impossible the worst. to to get any gauge on like, but yeah, like you can where you are. can consciously look at them and you can if you're looking if you're walking straight with some with someone next to you, you can know in your periphery if they're looking at you. Right. Yeah, yeah you but, can see yeah. like a, a head, but like you, you're not making eye contact. Yeah, you're not mm. making eye contact. You're losing a lot of communication. So now. much. And like, okay, so I went on this walking date, and it was by far the worst date I've ever been on, <laughs> purely just because of that eye contact. That like there was such a lack of, mm. and like just walking around Balaclava in the daytime, I was like, this feels weird. I'm mm. not into it. Mm. I don't know. Interesting area to walk around. Were you on like Carlisle Street or something? No, like the back streets of Bella. Random. Nice houses though. Sure. Nice houses. And we were just like talking about the houses, but it was a weird date. Like in broad daylight. Like I'm not someone I think that needs to get drunk on a date, Mm. but you definitely need a certain atmosphere, I feel. For sure. To like spark up conversation. For sure. And walking around Balaclava at one o'clock in the afternoon was not it. It's just... Like back back onto the eye contact thing. Like I've been with with women who will also avoid eye contact. Like if I'm like looking at them, mm. like if we're in bed, mm. I'm like looking at them. Mm. I've been told like, like I, this eye contact is way too intense right now. Like I can't yeah. do it. And I was like, okay, we don't have to do that. Like it's yeah. really quite what full you, on for some people. What yeah. do you do in that situation when they say too much eye contact? Yeah. I'm like, okay, <laughs> You just fine. look away. Look I was down. like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll start like looking at like not have my eyes locked on them, but just like kind of gazing around a little bit and then come back to them. And like, cause it can be mm. really intimidating for some people. Like yeah, you don't want to be like staring eyes, bulging out well, of your head like into their You're soul. being seen. Like if you're sitting there looking into someone's eyes, you are being, if you hold that shit, you're being so seen. Amazing. It's, so amazing. And it's scary though. Like it's really scary. It took me ages. Like I had to do yeah. work with my therapist to like yeah, be able yeah, to yeah. Just look into people's eyes. Like, yeah. And stay there. Like shit is fucking tough. No, it's so heavy. Yeah. Like, you're also part. telling them something. 100%. Mm. But like, mm. oh, there's, I think there's nothing better when you're doing it with someone you love. Mm. Like my partner now, we just constantly <laughs> stare into each other's eyes. It's beautiful. But like, there's nothing, there's nothing better. Like it's mm. such a holing feeling. Mm. 
Um, Okay, so yeah, getting people's yeah. attention at the bar. Yes. <laughs> wow. Well. So we wow. <laughs> um, I think we all just got taken like yeah, yeah, yeah. somewhere it was, there. It was the eye contact. Um, getting someone's attention about eye contact. Eye contact. Yeah, okay, 100%. So, next step, so you made eye contact. Yeah. Are you going to approach the guy or are you expecting the guy to approach you? I'll approach the guy. That's so cool. So with, with that, so you just don't give a shit. You don't give a shit. Like, what is it? Like... What if I got to lose? Like, I'm sorry, but... There is that, but... Like, what are you saying? What was the first time you did it? What are you, what are you <laughs> You're saying? You're both like... We have so many what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, okay, seriously. Wait, what was the question? Eye contact. <laughs> no, what are you doing to approach the guy? Dude, I'm literally just walking up and like, okay, in when you're away, you walk up, do you have a lighter? Obviously. Right. Simple, done. What's I like to name? try it in different Where languages as well. What do you... <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like as in, if you're in... Like when I'm in Israel, yeah, right? I ask for it in Hebrew. Do you have to Google Translate that shit? Like Sexy. if you're in like a different place, you don't know. It's no, like I, try I, and, I try and ask people when I arrive. It's so like in Mexico, I was going en sentado. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's just a bit funny and different, you know? Because oh I'm a clearly funny. a white guy saying en sentado. Live like Captain Kim. <laughs> It's nice, it's different. Um, <laughs> so, so you mentioned when you were away. So what is the difference between being in Melbourne and being away? What, who are you? Dude, I'm a, so much. I'm a different beast overseas. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is. Like, I think it's because I, I got the first taste of this, not recreating myself, but being someone who essentially has nothing to lose. Mm. I got that first when I went on exchange in France mm. and I was there for a year and I was pretty much like, sweet. Mm. I don't know anyone here. I can just be my most organic self. Mm. And I think that's true as well for when I'm overseas. I've got nothing to lose. You don't know me. And like overseas, most of the time, I'm not going to be dating this person. Sure. It's going to be a one night thing. Yeah. Um, so just just going there, having a chat, nothing to lose. Yeah. But then also the difference between Melbourne and being overseas. I feel like in Melbourne, being on a date with someone or getting to know someone, it's like, well, they, they'll normally know someone I know. Yeah. And I don't want to be like someone who, oh, but that's stupid as well. Because who cares? I don't know. It's, it's just a bit different. Like going overseas, I guess I'm more forward. Mm-hmm. Um, then when I'm in Melbourne, say you're afraid of being seen as like almost promiscuous in Melbourne, like not really as well. Because so I, what is it? I'm trying to think. I think it's maybe when you're overseas, you're just wearing less clothes. To be honest, <laughs> okay. So it's just more blatant what's when- about to happen. And normally, when you talk to someone overseas who you don't know, and if they're of the opposite sex, you're like, we're probably doing this because we want to bang. Right. Yeah. Whereas in Melbourne, like if I, like when I got with someone at a party for the first hour of talking to them, I was like, I'm not really sure if this is like a sexual thing or not. Mm. So I was talking to them as a friend and mm. then it turned into be something sexual. And I was like, oh, okay. Mm. But I made the first move. I was like, oh, can you like come to the bathroom with me or something? Like something super lame. Yeah. But <laughs> like when you're overseas within the first 10 minutes, you're like, yeah. okay, we're going to fuck. Yeah. You know? Okay. Okay. So in Melbourne, 
your advice? More time. I think it's just more time in Melbourne I give myself okay. to like suss whether it's going to be sexual or not. Okay. Whereas overseas, it's like, that's it a sexual. given. Yeah, it is sexual. Okay. Like, well, I guess when you travel, like you do have it in your mind that like, yeah, I want to fuck. If you're single, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like it's a mindset that a lot of young people go overseas with. 100%. You know? <laughs> Dude, so when I went on my gap year... I was 19. I'd broken up with my first boyfriend, my first love, like the person I lost my virginity to two weeks before I left. And I got overseas and I was like, oh my God, boys, men, (laughs) like what is this world? Like it was wild. And me being like, I'm confident in my sexual abilities. Mm -hmm to talk to people and not be worried about that. Like to talk to guys and not have that in the back of my head of like, Oh, I don't know how to do this. I don't Mm. know how to do that. I was like, I'm completely confident in that area. Mm. Like that doesn't worry me. What did that? (laughs) (laughs) Could you you please repeat the question? (laughs) How did you become confident in your sexual abilities? Well, my first boyfriend, I met him, like, can I just say before I say that? Say whatever you want. I fully thought I was asexual until I met my first boyfriend. Right. I was not at all interested in guys. Mm. Like, my two best friends were like to me, you are asexual. And I was like, probably, but mm. that's fine. And then I came back from my exchange and I met my first boyfriend. And I literally remember the first time I saw him, I got goosebumps all over my body. And I was like, I'm obsessed with him. Yeah. I couldn't look him in the eyes for like a month because I was oh. like so enthralled. Mm. But... There was so much love between us and I think like a want to try new things with each other. I think that really built up my confidence. And having someone when you're 16, 17, 18 being like, you're so beautiful Mm. is huge. Mm. Oh my God. Like, I think that was also a massive thing for my confidence Mm. just in general. That's interesting though, because like from a man's perspective, I think that's important too. Because like when I was 16, that was rough for me like i was yeah. a heavy kid i was not sexual um, you were you were turning at 16 like you were on the- i was yeah i was on the, i was like getting you know having a fucking what's it called transformation there's glow a word up. for it glow up yeah, <laughs> yeah i was having a bit of a glow up um but i was not uh on the market sexually like i was yeah i was off you know i was on like the three dollar rack you know like expiring and shit well sorry <laughs> continue well no that's what i'm saying so i think that like that experience of like not having affirmation that I was sexually yeah. desirable through 16, 17, 18 really affected my ability to actually yeah. have confidence that I am sexually desirable and it yeah. still affects me. Yeah. So yeah, I think it goes both ways for well, men and women. Of course. It's also interesting that you say that because I also dated someone from 15, 16, 17 and so on. Yeah. And my experience is very different to yours. Like oh, I feel sure. like I haven't had that much confidence in my sexual abilities. Yeah since since we've broken up mm. you know like i was i don't think i was given the confidence because i think in the bedroom we weren't communicating enough mm. and uh, we weren't telling each other what we really wanted and yeah what we wanted to try so yeah. i think it can go anyway really yeah for sure it's also really interesting though like because obviously as you were saying at 16 you were glowing up mm. you were turning um and i feel like Because obviously, you know, boys mature and go through puberty at a later time than girls do. 
Like I got my period when I was 10. Really? Yeah. Like I was young. Yeah. And by the time I was 12, like I had boobs right. and I looked like a woman. What was that experience like? Dude, wild. Were my. You the, were you the first person in your year level to have your period as well? I didn't tell anybody. Right. I was so ashamed. Like, Why? Why are you ashamed? It's weird when you're a younger girl, like when you're probably like, yeah, 10, 11, 12. It's like something that's not shame like it i did feel ashamed but it shouldn't be shameful but i was like oh my god i'm too young to be dealing with this right i'm too young to be dealing with like the cramps that double me over Mm. and like having to change like my pad every couple of hours Mm. like that's a really hectic thing for someone who's still sleeping with a teddy (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's a lot of thought to, and 100%. responsibility to 100%. put on a 10-year-old. And like packing my bag in like grade four and being like, I need to pack pads. Fuck. Like what? Like I was literally in prep a couple yeah. of years ago. I don't even think we had sex ed at that. No way. I think our first yeah. bit of sexual education came at year five. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And I was sitting in year five in this sex ed class. Which I know everything already. And because <laughs> my mum, actually, my mum before I got my period, because she got hers around the same age, around 10 years old, she gave me this amazing book about like puberty and periods. And it was like for a kid. Hmm. And was, it, was it the girl stuff book? No, I don't remember what it was. Maybe I still have it. But I remember reading that and being like, First of all, really scared. Yeah. But then like, oh, okay, I actually know what's going to happen. And then being in sex ed and this woman like explaining what a pad is. I was like, babe, I have like three in my bag. (laughs) But it was interesting. Mm. And then I think like being 12 years old Mm -hmm. and I remember I had my first kiss Mm. and the guy was like 17. What? And he like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like it was on the lawn for sure classic (laughs) if you've any of you have been there for new year's but i remember i was walking around with my friend and we were like she was like a couple of years older than me she was like let's find some boys to kiss and i was terrified like i literally (laughs) thought my stomach was going to drop out of my asshole i was so (laughs) scared yeah and we found these guys and they were like how old are you and my friend was like say you're 15 yeah and they fully believed i was 15 wow as a 12 year old and i was like I must be looking old. Like, I must be looking really mature. Yeah. Let's just dive into how dangerous that can be, <laughs> right? You make these guys one year older, oh. less than a year. If they're 17, they're within 12 months of being 18. Yeah. They have then kissed a 12-year-old. Yeah. yeah. That is yeah. fucked. Fucked. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, really far. This is, this is, these are the dangers that also young guys have to deal with as well. Like, yeah, yeah, And we're women. Not, we're not going to be asking for ID. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, fully. Like, can I see your passport? What's your legal age? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're 12. You don't even have ID. Yeah, exactly. No, but I think it's like guys for sure. But I feel like, as I said, like girls mature so much earlier than boys. Mm. And like the people that I was hanging around with as well, like they were all between the ages of 12 and 14. But we all looked like we were like 16, 17, 18. Right. Like at such a young age. And what that does to you, like I wasn't particularly, like, as I said, like I was pretty much asexual. Yeah. Like I was wearing quite baggy clothes. Like I was still dressing like a kid. Yeah. But some of the girls I was hanging out with because they had been doing all of these, like they'd been kissing boys, you know, like doing other sexual things. Yeah, you're allowed to go into it. Like, you know, <laughs> like hand jobs, like gobbies. Yeah. Gobbies as well. <laughs> 
Hilarious yeah, words. Great words. <laughs> I got reminded of it last week and I was like, I need to use that more. <laughs> like being at that age and doing those things, like mm. they were so sexualized from such a young age. Mm. And now they're like nurses and psychs mm. and stuff. Like they're fully kicking goals. But mm. I'm like, like I never jumped into all of that too fast. Like I literally didn't do anything until I met my first boyfriend because mm. I was terrified of the penis. I had massive really? cock fright. Cock fright. Massive cock fright. I haven't really heard people speak about that. Can you explain yeah, a little bit that. more about that? Just like, it's in the phrase, like terrified of the penis. Like, didn't want to know about it. Didn't want to touch it. Didn't right. want to see it. Just Have like the whole- porn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it was more like girl on girl stuff. Mm. And even now it's girl on girl stuff mm. because dicks are scary in porn. And secondly, the guys in porn aren't good looking. Right. And they're like, gross mm. and the shit aggressive. that they say i'm mm. like ew mm. if a man talks in a porn that i'm watching next yeah yeah hands down next shut the fuck up <laughs> yeah <laughs> shut the fuck up i don't want to hear you <laughs> yeah <laughs> seriously <laughs> seriously no yeah. absolutely i thought i'd pop that in there like that's just not okay no but cock fried's a real thing mm. and how I was did talk- you get over it my first boyfriend mm. i just, just like, loved him so much and he had an amazing penis so mm. that helped but it was, yeah, just a lot of love. But to be fair, actually, so we dated for like maybe a month and we just kissed and I never, I was just like too scared to do anything more. And then one night he fingered me and I was like, oh my God, mm. what is this world? <laughs> <laughs> and then I remember once, like maybe a week after that, we were like hooking up in his bed and he was like, can you give me gobbies? And I was like do you want to just have sex? Like, cause I didn't know how to give gobbies mm. and I was also terrified to give gobbies cause I didn't want to <laughs> be, cause I didn't want to be bad at it, which is like silly because obviously it's your first time you're going to be like mm. a bit newbie at it, mm-hmm. but we just ended up having sex instead. And then from then on, I was like, well, it's just a penis and yeah. all penises are the same. T. Different shapes and sizes, but yes, they, they all, all have the, the same. same sort of mechanics. So, <laughs> Nothing to be scared of. Nothing to be scared of. But at the same time, like, everyone goes through their own journey with it. Sure. I feel like on this cock fright thing, um, whenever guys, especially in, like, high school, when you're, like, really friendly with a girl and you talk openly about, like, sex and stuff. Like, I had a few female friends that I would talk about this stuff to. And I would say, like, I really like the vagina and, like, how it looks and everything. And they're like, why? It's so gross. Do you reckon that comes into play in like how like they might be dealing with cock fright and that like they might not see a penis the same way guys see a vagina and it sort of prevents them from exploring their sexuality a little bit maybe i don't know i can't speak for all people who have a vagina to be honest but i remember from like because obviously i got my period so young so from like by the age of 12 I knew what my vagina was looking like. Right. Like I got in front of a mirror and studied her because I was like, really? I need to know what you're about. Did like, you just do that on your own initiative? Yeah. I mean, it's part of your body. Hey. Yeah. And like, I think having me having my period so young, like I was in the area from an early age, you yeah. know, but that's a massive thing. And now even like some of my girlfriends, I can encourage them. I'll be like, get a hand mirror or get mm. in front of a mirror and like go say hello to her. Mm. Like big mouth. Yeah. I was yeah. legitimately thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like when I watched that episode, I was like, 
And Big Mouth is the only show mm. that I've watched that I've been like, this is like a pretty accurate depiction of 100%. female puberty. Mm. Like it's so accurate. Male and just, puberty as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are spot on that. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's funny. And it's like, you so. can look back at your like teenage years and be like, oh, that was awful. But now I'm through it, sort yeah. of. On this looking at body parts, when was the last time you checked out your butthole, Adam? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, can't remember. Right? When was the last time you looked at your butthole? Like the other day. <laughs> Why are guys so afraid of their butthole? <laughs> I, I'm going to get back into butt stuff here. Right? Let's do it. Let's get into butt stuff. Thank God. <laughs> There's lots of videos on the internet and lots of people who make jokes about like how guys hate getting their butt touched. Mm. Even if a girl or someone is to slap them on the ass, they get uncomfortable. Mm. What? Why? You know? Let's look at our buttholes. Let's appreciate our asses a bit more. No, mm. absolutely. I personally love my boyfriend's bum. Nice. I think it's the cutest thing. I always <laughs> touch it. I'm down there a lot. Mm. Um, but I don't know why guys are so scared of it. Mm. There's got to be some subconscious situation going well, on. I'm there. even thinking about it now. Like I've been, I was at a bar, I don't know, a few years ago when I was probably like 19 or 20. And there was this big gay dude who i would like he was, he was one of the bouncers and like we were friendly and really nice and like i'm just a really friendly kind of guy when i'm drunk i just get a bit like touchy and stuff and i think he perceived that i was sexually open to being with him or something i don't know because mm. he would start kind of touching me and i didn't really like know i was i was i was a bit and not didn't want to be confrontational as well so i kind of like played yeah. like went with it and then i remember I was like ordering a drink, having a chat with someone. He like came up behind me, just grabbed my fucking ass with like both hands. Mm, that's intense. That was very intense. Yeah. Doesn't matter who you are. Like that was sexual yeah. assault. And I was like, but I kind of just played it off. I was like, hey, like I didn't, I don't want that. Um, mm. And then he was like, oh, well, fuck you then kind of vibe. Um, but I remember feeling like it was almost like a power play. And I think the reason why... There's two reasons I didn't like it. First of all, because I was being touched without consent. But the second was like, oh, I'm like little. And that that was coming into it. It's like I'm less than this big person who's like taking control of me and the connotations of like what an ass grab is and that is typically like done by men onto a woman. And I think it's this toxic masculinity thing almost to an extent that mm. came through. So a, a control aspect. Yeah. You didn't like being controlled. I think that's what it was. And just being dominated almost like that. I think it's a domination. Yeah. I think I think there is an element of domination that comes into butt stuff as well. Especially mm. if you think about the position that you're commonly mm. in when you're doing butt stuff. It's mm. like one person on top of another. If you look at animals as well, mm. that's how they dominate each other. You know, they get on top and they mm. and they and they hump. So I, I see I see where that comes into this. But why do we need that? Like a butthole's a butthole. I mm. am very comfortable with my butthole. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Um, I used to shave my ass regularly. I've got it waxed twice. Um, that was very painful. <laughs> In fact, it was so funny. I'll tell a bit of a story. Please. Um, so I'm a very hairy man. Um, always have been, always will be. I think you mentioned that on like every episode. You're like, I'm a hairy guy. <laughs> I'm proud of it. You know? I love it. I like my hair. Yeah. Um, anyway, I was made to feel really insecure about it in high school and stuff. So I was like, no, I'm going to get rid of it. So I tell it to my mom and my sister, I want to wax my ass. And like, fine, we'll book you in with our lady. Right. So this lady who waxes my mom and my sister. Amazing. Has now got me coming in. And the first thing she did was... She said, take your pants off and get on all fours. So I'm on all fours 
My mum and my sister are in the room, by the way. Oh my god! Hysterical. Oh my god! <laughs> How old are you? Oh Jesus! Uh, I would have been about sixteen. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so I'm on all fours, and she was like, "All right, what are you doing? This is not the position you need to be in." <laughs> she just got me on all fours as a joke. Can oh I just? <laughs> <laughs> Can I just ask? Were you waxing the cheeks or cheeks and crack? Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> cheeks and crack. Fantastic. Um, yeah. When they do it around the hole, very painful experience because it's not just like a strip. I have had that. It's hot. It's hot wax. They put and then they go, they like dig their nail on and they like do little rips and, and you, then they go, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I've almost been scared. Like this isn't going to happen, but I've almost been scared the wax is going to drip into my asshole. Can I just say as well? I, did you no? My mm. boyfriend told me this. You've got the same skin on your asshole as you do on your lips. Interesting. So. Very interesting. Very, very gentle. Very soft. Mm. Um, that was a fucked experience. But also, incredible to have a naked ass. Yes. Just, if you want to try it out, give it a go. Maybe don't have your mum and your sister in the room. <laughs> um, but, yeah, ever since then, I sort of started getting comfortable with my ass and, like, accepting my butthole. Mm. Um, but I haven't checked it on my butthole in a while. And I think I'm going to do that tonight. I'm going to mm. go home. I'm going to get a mirror. I'm, I'm going to do that hi. too. I'm actually going to do that too. And I recommend to everyone else, if you haven't checked in on your butt, see if you can get comfy with it. Because we don't need to be feared. Yeah. We don't need to be feared of being yeah. dominated because we don't... What is that? You know? For sure. But also like, of course, within sex, like sharing that domination is massive. Ooh. Mm. And playing with that in the bedroom, I think is the huge. Yeah. Handing it over. Let's, giving, giving away control. And let's get into this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I want to... Talk about you and your partner mm-hmm. for a bit. Because um, you guys are... You have ass play in the bedroom. Yeah. Could yeah, you yeah. talk a bit more about that? So, for me, I don't like bum stuff given to me. Yeah. I actually really don't enjoy it. And I think that's because of things that just have happened within sexual experiences. But I don't get around it at all. I love giving it though, mm-hmm. especially to my partner because he really, really enjoys it. Mm. And so like before we started dating, we sexted for like 18 months. <laughs> and so like before we even got into the bedroom, we knew exactly what each other liked. Right. And the first time we met up, he had like an Airbnb in Abbotsford because his house had mold, super random. But he was like, come over for a wine And we didn't even finish our first glass of wine and we were like glued to each other. Mm. But, and like within the first time we met, like I gave him a rim job and it was just like not, it was just not a big deal Mm. because I knew that he liked that. It was very relaxed. Mm. It wasn't like a, oh, could you give me, like, I don't know. It wasn't even talked about. I was like, turn around sort of thing. Like, let me do this for you. And then since then, it's sort of just evolved. Mm. Like it's... I don't know. It's comfortable. Like, I don't feel weird giving it. However, we've sort of explored the idea of pegging. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting because I will, like, give him a rim job or, like, we'll use a toy or something like that. Mm. But the idea of pegging, I'm, like, working myself up to it because it's that – it's really weird. And I've been trying to unpack this in my mind. Mm. But it's a thing of, like – I feel strange or I feel strange wearing a penis mm. because it's not my usual sexual organ mm-hmm. and I'm sort of like building myself up to it to be able to do pegging because right. I'm like mm-hmm. I feel like there's a mental thing 
involved in that for me like because it's another lem- level of dominance right, right. let's okay. let's talk about how you've gotten to that stage first so obviously you started with the rim job mm. um how did you start going step by step up the ranks and this is coming from someone who definitely wants to explore about stuff yeah well <laughs> for me i i like doing things really organically in the bedroom like, I'm not going to say to my partner, oh, this Saturday, like, we're using this dildo and, like, I'm fucking you with it. Like, that's just not my style. Mm. It'll always just be in the bedroom. Like, we're constantly exploring. We have a few toys. We're doing all of that. So, I'll be like, oh, let's do this. Turn around. It's We've got one that's, like, a suction dildo mm-hmm. and we can put it on the wall. We've explored that. It's just different levels of using toys, I guess. And using them in the positions that you would Mm. if you have a strap on on. So Mm -hmm. like he'll be lying down using the toy. Yeah, yeah. We've also got a double-ended dildo. We've done like a scissoring motion. That's so hot. Yeah, that was really fun. (laughs) But it's those sort of things. Like trying it in different ways, I guess, in positions that aren't classically like male-female. Playing with the dominance, playing with the power. Mm. But it's definitely just like slowly, slowly building up. Because mm. as I said, for me, it's like, I don't know, like it, it's within my own head mm. being like, oh, now I've got the phallus. You mm. know what well, I, I mean? I feel like th- this wouldn't, I don't know, I'm generalizing here, that it wouldn't only affect you. That Maybe this is an issue or something that comes up in other women's experience as well. Mm. And like, how are you kind of coping with that? Because that does seem like a foreign thing to like happen. You know, what do you mean by other women's experience? As in, like maybe they are also experiencing that, like, oh, I'm like wielding a fucking cock right now. Like, yeah. this is not normal for me, and like adjusting to that. Yeah. And how how do you find your adjustment to that is going? And like, how's it? Yeah, how's it? Working? It's going. I think it's going well. I think I'm definitely more comfortable with it than I was like three months ago. Right. I'm more comfortable with the idea for sure. But I think that's purely just because we've been like building up mm-hmm. and trusting each other. Like the amount of trust mm. I have in this relationship is like uncomparable mm. to my other relationships. Like it's a completely different world. Mm. And I think that's a massive part of it as well. Mm-hmm. Trusting your partner and also being able to say like, okay, stop. Mm. Like I'm there or I need a break is super important. Like we're big on that as well. Mm. Or if you're just done with the sex, mm. like I'm done. What let's stop now and have a cuddle, mm-hmm. which is massive too. Mm. And also like the aspect of aftercare post things that you haven't tried before is huge. Mm. Having a cuddle, having some water, talking about it. Is there anything I could do next time? Mm. How did you feel when I did this? Stuff like that is huge. How does that compare? Obviously it is a big difference, but how does that compare to casual sex for you? so it's yeah it's so like the sex that i have with my partner now yeah and just the care and attention you like bring to it compared to like casual sex like what is well casual sex like most of the time i don't really care about the other person hey Mm. like i'm not there like i love you and care about you (laughs) and want the best for you yeah and want to know that you're having a good time like obviously i want to know they're having a good time Mm. and i don't want anyone to get hurt Mm. i think that's like pretty the same for everyone Mm. but Within casual sex, like, I've never really tried anything crazy. Mm. It's normally just a bang. And then I'm like, you can leave now. Mm. Like, get out of my house. Mm -hmm. Because I was never one for, like, wanting to have a sleepover after casual sex. Mm. Like, I got 
got out of there mm-hmm. just because... I think that's a big barrier for a lot of people mm. with casual sex. Like, it's a pre- protective mechanism. Like, you don't mm. want to almost... You almost don't want to open up yourself emotionally with, like, that cuddle. Yeah. Or, like, that check-in afterwards. Yeah. Because it's sort of... Either you're saving it for someone else or, like, you just... You don't want to go there with that person. Yeah. So, I think when we talk about, like, aftercare with sex, when you're with a partner, it's, like, it's almost like another stage of sex. 100%. 100%. And another stage of, like, caring and love, I Mm. feel. Mm. I find, like... The fact that you were able to explore that though with trust, I think is really the key thing because like I remember in one of my like early sexual experiences, I think it was the second person, the second person that I ever slept with, um, which was casual and we were seeing each other for a little bit and one night we were out and with her friends and stuff and they were talking about rim jobs and I was like, oh no, I've never had one. And then the person I was seeing was like, you've never had one. And I was like, no. And she was like, I'm going to fucking give you one later. <laughs> I was like, I was like, uh, okay, like, okay, fine. Um, cause like I'm big on like openness to experience. Like I wanted to experience everything, but I don't think I realized the, um, how you say, uh, maybe intimacy or just how <laughs> fucking close nature of the act. Literally <laughs> like, and we were dancing that night as well. And like, as just like Benj, I'm also a hairy guy and um You sweat. You sweat. I didn't like we went back to we went back to her house and I was really self conscious of the fact that I was not clean and like mm. I really was not having a good time. And I remember like yeah. she was going down on me. She was giving me gobbies. <laughs> that word. Yeah. I love it. Um and then she kinda like lifted my leg up and just was like i'm gonna go and i was like okay and she started doing it and then like turned me over gnarly and then just went in there and i was like gripping the pillow and like grimacing my face i was like oh my god you're not having a good time right now like i just couldn't get out of my head the fact that like that's like not consensual though hey well i think no i think she did ask but it was kind of it wasn't too cool it wasn't Mm. too consensual you're right um but I didn't say no. I didn't like do like say yeah, but, say no. I didn't want this. I think I did want it. I didn't realize. But it, you can say yes, and then halfway through a second in, you can still say no. Yeah. Regardless if you're. For sure, and I completely yeah. Absolutely. Like it doesn't matter who you are. Like For that's sure. a massive thing. And that's my own thing as well. Like that's me sure, yeah. just not being able to wanting to people please pretty much as well. That's yeah. why I didn't stop it at the time. But. Yeah, afterwards, like, she only did it for, like, two minutes, right? And, like, it was... There were parts of it was, like, okay, this is interesting, new feeling. Mm. But then I was, like, uh, like, I don't want this. Anyway, she stopped and then went to the bathroom. And I was, like, in the bed, like, sitting by myself, like, oh, my God, this is so wild. Like, that would have sucked. <laughs> and she was in the bathroom for, like, ten minutes, I assume, just, like, brushing her teeth. <laughs> like, I felt yuck. I felt yuck. Um... So how does cleanliness as well come into this as well? Um, yeah, there's like a, a few parts of that story which I want to kind of talk about. I want to talk about cleanliness and also yeah. like, yeah, the safety part of it and yeah. the trust. So my partner's asshole is probably cleaner than mine. <laughs> and prob- like in terms of it being like hairless and like groomed, like, it's definitely more groomed than mine. How would you feel if he did have hair on his ass? I wouldn't care. Okay. 
I wouldn't care. I'm not like a hater of pubes. I love pubes. But he he douches. Mm. Like he douches like, you know, enough for me to be like, it's going to be chills down there. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. How, how often do you reckon he douches? I don't know, actually. I did ask him. Maybe like every two days or something. Right. But if like we're going to be hanging out all night, like mm. he'll douche in that morning. You know what I mean? But yeah. I don't even know what a douche looks like. Neither. Can we, can we get it up? Yeah, yeah I'll get one it's up. Like, it's like a little a little bottle yeah. and then it's a little stick. Right. And you like squeeze the water into your asshole. Do you remember in the movie um, that was released with the sausages and the hot dogs? I didn't watch, I didn't watch that it's sausage fest. Yells me. Was it, was it sausage fest? Was sausage it? fest. It was called Sausage, sausage. Party. Sausage party? I didn't watch yeah, Sausage party. A, The douche! No, I didn't. I'm a douche! <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it. I'm uh, just getting up a photo of a douche. Okay. Yeah. The Eve douche. It looks like a cologne. It's got a nice bottle. Yeah. I'd, like, I'd buy that. There's a vaginal douche she as well. She looks comforting, for sure. Yeah, there's a vaginal douche. Mm. What, okay. Just So we're looking at the douche, right? Cleans up. Yeah. Make sure everything's tidy. Mm. Um, so we know he's clean, whatever. Yeah. Do you use lube? Yeah, we have used lube for sure. It's like pretty essential if you're yeah. putting a dildo in an asshole. Sure. Mm. Like, you definitely, you definitely want some of that. What what lube do you use? I was use? gonna say, you got any good good lube products? The one that he has, it's like in a purple bottle. It's like Durex or something. Right. Mm. I don't know. Coconut oil is also really good though. True. Wow. Um, but we had we did have a situation once where he hadn't douched mm-hmm. and. Obviously, like, my friend explained it really well. He was like, of course, you're getting, like, fucked in the ass. Like, there's going to be poo there. Like, mm-hmm. you're getting fucked from where you poo from. Like, it's inevitable. And I was like, so true. And then with my friend, we went into this conversation of, like, why should that be so disgusting? Like, you fully know what goes on down there. Yes. Why is it that you're now like, ew, there's poo there? Like, of course. And then I... when it happened with my partner, yes. at first I was like, <gasps> But then I was like, come on, it's poo. And since then as well, our relationship's been so much more open. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen your poo. Like I've been face to face with the poo. <laughs> well, you know what I, want, what I mean? That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about poo. Yeah. Let's talk about poo for a bit. Please. All right. I because... love scout talk. Let's go. <laughs> scout talk. Because <laughs> like there's such a fucking evil connotation with poo. No, 100%. And it's just why? Like, yes, yeah, okay, it smells. But like. It's also what your body doesn't like it's waste it is genuine waste yeah but so is piss and we have a way better relationship with piss than we do with golden poop. showers you know people love them people also love scat you told me the story Ooh. do you remember the story you told me about that podcast you listened to with um it was it was it was about poo and like the dirtiness because that person had been like raised yes 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 yes, yes 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 so oh, i don't remember what podcast i was listening to but pretty much this person had a shame and gross kink Mm -hmm. and she'd been raised in like a very very religious household in the midwest of america or something or like the south Ugh. anyway (laughs) she'd been raised in that type of setting and her whole life her parents had always been like oh you're so dirty you need to clean or like you know your hair's oily and blah Mm. blah blah and through all that shame and criticism she developed like a sexual connotation to it Mm -hmm. anyway so her kinks that she developed 
I found it really interesting. And at first I was like, oh, but then I was like, you got to get your rocks off somehow, right? Mm -hmm. But she, her and her partner, who she met, her partner was like the host of a kink podcast. And she had just like messaged in and been like, these are my kinks. And then they started a relationship. But pretty much like she was explaining how one of their favorite things to do was he'd wear socks around for days and like exercise in them and stuff. And then she'd give him a blowjob with the sock on his penis. And like the thing that really turned her on was like gagging on the gross sock. Right. And then another thing that they'd do was like spit in jars or piss in jars and send it to each other. Cause they lived like across the country. And then another, like they were building up to it, but one of their like ultimate fantasies or kinks was to have their partner lick their bum hole clean after like they'd gone to the bathroom after they'd done a poo. And like, she literally described it being like, yeah, I wanted to be his toilet paper. And I was like, that is wild. And like, no shame. Like you got to do what you got to do. But it's so interesting because as you said before, like, why is poo so gross? Mm. But some people are so turned on by it. Mm-hmm. And like golden showers as well. I follow this couple on Instagram called the London Vagabond. And they're like a kink couple in London. They run kink parties and stuff. And the guy and the couple, they call him toilet because he goes to these kink parties and they put a toilet seat above his head and like, you know, people just piss on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, she really gets off on that. And she tries to like push his boundaries obviously like they have massive communication and trust and they talk about it all before the event yeah but they were like answering questions on their instagram and they were like how many you know people have pissed on toilet in one night she was like 10 but i want to push it to 15 or something right like it was so interesting i was like wow that's another level isn't it i just wonder how we can build our relationship with poo like i was listening to um i think juliet allen um, podcast. She got a beautiful podcast, and she was talking about anal sex with her partner, and how when she's receiving sex, penetrative sex anally, like there'll be poo on on her partner's penis. Yeah, and they will like they will look at the the poo. They'll look mm. at like the scat and look and like say, oh, like it looks really healthy. Like yeah, I love that. Like nice babe. Like you got yeah. poo right now, and like they have a healthy relationship with poo, and like I think it's so like damaging it's really bad that we have such negative connotation with poo because like that is also why i couldn't enjoy that rim job because i was really scared Mm. of being seen as like disgusting because Mm. of what might be in my ass you know and like it's bodily stuff and there's this whole i don't know this whole thing and think in my experience of this like the whole like knight in shining armor thing comes into play where like as a man I have to be this like all presentable nice looking person whatever and I can't be disgusting at all otherwise that means I'm not desirable and like that's my own thing and mm. that definitely affects like how my relationship with my ass well yeah it's you know? I totally get that but it's so similar for women because it's like that classic thing like girl shit too mm-hmm. mm. like my friends and I always say that and like girls fart too mm-hmm. you know what I mean And, like, it's so interesting because I was, like, terrified of pooing at my partner's house. Mm, Like, so scared. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know what it is, but it's, yeah, I I get what you mean. It's, like, that subconscious, I have to be presentable, like, Mm -hmm. I'm not gross, I don't want to be smelly. Mm -hmm. I know for me, like, when it comes to, like, butt stuff, 
because I have heard there is a genuine fear that, like, you know, might have dangleberries I'm not aware of. Do you know that term? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, and, like... Should we explain it for people who don't know? Dangleberries is where... Oh, it was dingleberries. Yeah, Dingle I thought it was dingleberries. 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 Well, I thought it was dingleberries, and then I was... Dangleberry works dang- as well. Yeah, they dangle. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Go on. Um, either way, dingle or dangle, however you want it, um, is when, like, a little bit of, of poo gets stuck on, like, some hair. Yeah. And, like, you wipe, you wipe, and, like, you think everything's gone. Mm. Um, you clean... But then, boom, you got like a little piece of poo stuck there. Yeah. And that's a big fear because like, yeah, that's in my head, that's gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it is. I mean, at the same time, like if I was to give a rim job and there, there was, was poo at the end of someone's pubes, I'd probably be like, sorry, before we do this, do you mind just having a wash? Mm-hmm. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with saying that as well. Like, sure. come on, like, like be I've, clean. I've, I've you, been... you don't want like, that's so fair. You don't want to have poo in your mouth. Absolutely. Unless you're into that, then that's a different thing altogether. And there's like a full... <sighs> <'Cause it's... laughs> Sorry. I just, I just hear Benj going... <laughs> <laughs> Are you farting? No, no, it's me holding back my laugh. Right, okay. I don't want poo in my mouth. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I was going to say as well, like the whole, like being told to clean whichever part of your body is like a it it can be i've i've like i've been told with okay i'm stumbling my words here okay i was with a i was with someone in my room and we were making out and she told me to brush my teeth once and i was like yeah sure i'll do that but in my head i was like yeah absolutely i'll go do that right so i go and do it in my head i'm thinking like why hasn't she accepted me you know why haven't i been accepted for my bodily stuff but like people are totally entitled to like ask for that and i shouldn't feel like was it morning breath no it was this was like this is like evening and like I, I felt i was clean and like i was good i was like kind of confused i was like oh interesting mm. i think there's two sides to that because i definitely feel how you're like you know do i feel gross why don't they accept me yeah, like yeah. i get that but at the same time everybody likes likes to kiss someone with fresh breath oh yeah like that's not a weird thing to want i don't think do you have fear or have you ever had fear to ask someone to do that well like my partner now we we will say to each other do you mind if you brush your teeth or like have a chewy or something Mm -hmm. but that's just because like i've seen his poo do you know what i mean (laughs) like it doesn't it doesn't matter like that shit doesn't matter and like you shouldn't take it personally i don't Mm -hmm. think but at the same time, of course, it's like a personal remark. So yeah. how will you not take that personally? Mm. But I think a lot of it comes down to personal preference as well. Like I've got yeah. friends who will not kiss whoever they're in bed with in the morning until one of them has brushed their teeth at least. Mm. Grow up. Well, that's what I say because in my head, it's yeah. kind of like it's kind of hot. You know, it's a bit dirty. It's, it's bit, yeah. Mm. Morning sex is the best. Mm. But at the same time, we were just saying that people are entitled to want to yeah. impress 100%. that. It's yeah, 100%. So, so but like, yeah, try it out. Have yeah. some fun with it. My friend and her partner, they call morning sex yucky sex. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so cute because like he's a bit type A and like he doesn't like having sex in the morning. And if they do have it, they call it like yucky sex. And then he'll like go shower and like brush his teeth afterwards and shit. I'm like, that is so funny. <laughs> But, I, yeah, it's, it's personal It's a perfect start preference. to the morning, though. Yeah, 100%. And then, like, you both get in the shower together. Yes. And then you go again. Yes. <laughs> or you just, like, live your life and go get a coffee. And you're like, oh, my God, nobody <laughs> knows what you just did. No, no, no. You've definitely got a glow. Yeah. You know, you always have a glow. Um, I want to cover something. 
So earlier on in this podcast bench, you asked something about promiscuity. Mm. And I want to talk about this for a bit because I think it is important. Um, so you asked, you asked Beck if she had like, if she was promiscuous. If she felt promiscuous. If she felt promiscuous. So what, what is your perception of promiscuity? Mm. Well, I think what I was associating there was because we were talking about like sort of intentions and like when you're like meeting people in Melbourne versus away. Um, and I think promiscuity comes from people's perceptions of you. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it's also associated with being sort of, you know, sexually active and out there yeah. and like engaging in a way. Yeah. Um, and there is a negative connotation with that. Mm. And I think the whole word itself really has no meaning in today's society. Yeah. Um, I think it has a lot of meaning. Like, well, like, in I, don't think it, sorry, I don't think it has yeah. a place in society anymore. Would you ask me if I was promiscuous? I would. And that's, that's the, that's the reason why I don't think it has a place yeah. in society now. Cause mm. I wouldn't ask that to yeah. Adam. Yeah. The reason why I was asking it was cause is it something that you have felt? Because I don't think it's a thing that men often get to feel or are told to feel. I think I'm very, very lucky because I'm surrounded by women and men that are super supportive mm. and sexually positive. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And that is huge. And like, you know, when I'm single, like, yeah, I might sleep with two guys in a weekend, mm. but my girls are behind me being like, yes, mm-hmm. get it, queen. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I think I've never really felt promiscuous just mm. because I've had so much support. Mm. And when my girlfriends now are like, oh, like I've seen two guys in one week. I'm like, yes, enjoy your life. Mm-hmm. Like if that's what you want to do, do it for you. But don't do it because you feel like you need validation mm. from the guy or your friends or you're mm-hmm. trying to seem like or do things that you usually don't, mm. which I think is massive as well because I've definitely been in situations where I've slept with a couple of guys in a short period of time and it's been for validation mm. rather than me doing it because I've wanted to do it. But mm. that was when I was a bit younger, mm. like in my early 20s. I was doing it, I think, more for validation rather than being like, this is what I want to do. I find that interesting because like, I think that happens to men as well where... Well, I'll speak for myself. Well, I would want to, I want to have sex with people, with women to, for validation pretty much. But the consequences of that in society are very, very different. Like... I remember when I lost my virginity, the men in my like kind of like my family, friends and shit, like they came up to me and they were giving me high fives like, fuck yeah, like good on you, fucking sick. Mm. And I remember the person that I lost my virginity, I was seeing her for like a few months after that as well. And my dad said something really fucked to me. He was like, you're lucky you're a guy because if you were if if you were doing what she was doing, you'd be a whore. And I was like, how can you fucking say that shit? Like, I'm doing that. That is so intense. Yeah, he said that shit to me. Like, And this is like my male role model telling me this shit. Yeah. Like, but what he said was 100% true. Society would have a different view of you. Well, yeah. The, yeah, society... So what he said wasn't wrong. Me, but that's just... That's the issue with the society. But it it yeah. depends as well. It depends what demographics you're in. But you know what I did the day after I lost my virginity? Hmm. I went on the pill. Yeah. And that's like, I think, a real p- 
picture of the difference for like guys and girls at a young age losing their virginity because like even now girls are like I'm not on the pill I have to get condoms I have to pull out like it's I have to get the morning after pill like Mm. it's such a big thing if you are sleeping with a few guys at once Mm. like the safety that you have to carry as a woman is Mm. huge and like it always breaks my heart as well when I'm talking to my girlfriends and they're like oh you know he pushed to not wear a condom Mm. like I get it I get it feels better without a condom but at the same time like You've got to be safe. And the woman's the one that has to deal with the consequences. Mm. So I want to, we've been mentioning this a few times throughout the podcast, consent. Mm. It has been mentioned multiple times. Mm-hmm. And in Australia, a couple of days ago, they just approved a new legislation, which uh, means there's, that there's mandatory um, uh, consent education yeah. from, I think it's like prep or kinder through yeah. year 10. And I think one of the biggest things with this is that private schools and religious schools cannot opt out. Yeah. Right? So a lot of the time with sex education, these schools can opt out. Yeah. This is a big step forward in preventing things like rape, um, unwanted pregnancies, and just a whole STIs as well. Like There is so much that comes from this. Um, and you said earlier that just because you say yes at one, at, at, at one point doesn't mean you can't mm. say no. I think that's a really important thing about mm. consent. Mm. It is continuous. It is fluid. You're allowed to take it away. Absolutely. And it's also both people are allowed to give and take For sure. consent. Yeah. And also like I've been in a few situations where I've consented to it at the time. I've gone through the sex I've woken up the next day and I've been like, I actually didn't want to do that. Mm. And I've, rel- I guess, relinquished my consent the day afterwards. Mm. And the, I think that feeling that you have with that is so shit. And Whoa. I think if I was taught about, I think maybe how that can affect you or consent from start to finish at an earlier age... I would have maybe been able to make better decisions. What do you think it's going to do to the empowerment of the younger generation? This education? I mean, ideally it would allow people to have a better idea of what sex means. Because I think I, I'm good at separating like sex from emotions. But at the same time, if I have sex with someone a couple of times, I'm going to start to get feelings. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And I think learning about consent from an early age, I think it would just give a better picture of the whole situation, what's involved, how you're going to feel, how you can sort of work through those feelings, talking about the sex maybe before you go into Mm -hmm. it, I think is a massive thing. I think that's why I have so much trust in my partner now is because, yes, we sexted, but we also talked a lot about, like, consent, what we wanted, you know, all that type of stuff. Just opening the conversation, being sex positive as well. That's the thing Mm. I think is, like, the most important is what this is doing is, like, we're beginning to teach people about sex from a very early age, and that's going to change the fucking world, like, the whole generation, Mm. like... Also, consent isn't just about sex. Mm. Consent can come into conversation. Mm. Is this something you want to talk about? Mm. Absolutely, you know? yeah. Important. Last week, we had Josh on and before he would hug us, he said, can I hug you? Mm. You know? I love that. Right. Mm. There's so many levels he of consent. He was amazing. He was incredible. I was so informed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Put us on our ass. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> cool. I loved that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was yeah. sick. I love that. Was, that. Was that. Um, would love to get his thoughts on 
the whole consent thing that's coming through. But um, I think there's going to be a huge change that we are not educated about. Mm. And it's also going to be really hard for us to understand mm. how this future generation is going to be communicating. So I think while all this education is going to be available to them, it is on us, Oof. our generation, okay. to Absolutely. try and ask these younger kids, what did they actually learn in this consent? So that we make sure we are then providing consent because we got no education about it. Absolutely. But I think at the same time, and I've talked about this with Adam before, it you do have a personal duty to educate yourself, mm. I think. And that's the same for... Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander history, mm-hmm. we have a duty to educate ourselves, and I don't think it's completely on those who are learning it or who experience it to educate others. Mm-hmm. In some cases, yes, absolutely, open the dialogue, have a consensual dialogue for sure. But at the same time, there's this wonderful thing called Google, mm. and she'll help you out. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Google's and like, right. how many forums? And like, I'm not on Reddit. I'm not on Twitter, mm. but. Like the info and the experiences you can read on there, I feel like are so beneficial and you can open yourselves up to those as I think, well. I think what we'll do is we'll pop up a link in the description and on our Instagram of some websites that you can go to. Mm. Uh, we'll pop Google in there as well, maybe. <laughs> yeah, just um, the Google link. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> um, on some place where you can get information on consent. Mm. Cool. Um, because it isn't that readily available to a lot of people. Like, you, you, yeah. you, you might have to go actually searching in. And yeah. the good thing is this new generation isn't going to have to do that. And they're just mm. going to be so informed in mm. ways that we just will not understand. But at the same time, I imagine that each sort of education like if it's public school private school anglican school christian school they'll all have their own curriculum about Mm. how they teach consent Mm. and i think that will also be really interesting Mm. because like differences somewhere like elwood college compared to somewhere like sandy college will they teach it differently even though they're both public schools or like st michael's grammar compared to cbc Mm. like how will they teach consent differently i think the main thing that we need to be appreciative for at the moment is that these schools won't be able to opt out. Yeah, definitely. You know? Like if that was a situation, that would that would suck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that would cause an even bigger like split in society. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we wrap up, what are you going to type into Google? What, what are you going to type into Google, guys? Because like, I don't know. I haven't read about consent. I've had to learn about consent based on my own experience, really. But... I think I'm just going to type in what is consent. I'm going to write... Yeah, yeah, go, sorry, go. Yeah, like what (laughs) is consent? And hopefully that leads me to a couple of websites that are either, um, you know, organizations that educate people Mm. um, around the world because it doesn't have to be just Australia Mm. um, so that I can see the different levels of consent, different areas where consent comes into life. Mm. Um, Because like I know there's like as a pregnant woman, you know, lots of people think they can just go up and be like, oh, you're mm. so big now. But mm. can you? Can you just touch a, a woman's stomach? I wouldn't like that. I don't mm. even like people touching my face if I don't really know them. Mm. You know, so there's so many different areas of life where consent comes in. And that's where we are going to sort of lack. Like we can always, there's heaps of information on sexual consent because I think that's where a lot of issues arise. But it's those mm. smaller levels that I really, really want to educate myself I'm on. I'm going to quickly bring something up here. So Please. I have a shaved head. And Benj will often uh, <laughs> slap my head. 
Um, so slappable. And I'd like you to ask for consent next time. I will ask for consent next time. Thank you. What about when I when I sort of just rub it to see how long it's been since your last? I like that. You can do that. That's fine. Okay. Cool. Thank you. I want to rub it for good luck. If that's, well, that's okay. People come up to me and they're like, "Can I touch your head?" And I literally You've say, got "Yeah, a it's good." It's, head. I say it's good luck. Thank you. Thank you. It's so cute. What are you gonna type? What are you gonna type? Okay, <laughs> so I'm a big fan of Google Scholar. Mm. So I might look for some academic articles, oh, yeah. but also maybe articles that bring a bit of philosophy into it. Okay, because I think that would be really interesting. Have having a philosophical lens to look at consent mm. and see how that works. But yeah, probably just a big fat Google mm. would be great. Because mm. I mean, yeah, I'm the same. Like I've learned about consent from experiences rather than education mm-hmm. and that is a risky way to learn about consent oh mm. god yeah it's know. like trial and error yeah and we yeah. do not want to be trialing and error <laughs> this kind of shit 100 yeah. percent. what about you i think i'm gonna google uh types of consent mm. Mm. like yeah i'm sure it varies it comes into every single context i assume yeah but yeah i kind of want to i want to oh, yeah i want to get learned i want to know i want to know i want, I want some tea, want tea. give it to me seriously <laughs> Alrighty. Well, thanks for joining us today, Beck. It's been awesome. Thanks. Um, we've covered a lot. I hope everyone here has enjoyed it. Yes. And a very good time. Um, it's been great to, you know, reconnect with the audience after our little bit of a break. Yes. Um, it's <laughs> yeah. been a beautiful time. Thank you for such a lovely conversation and for joining us. Oh, thanks, guys. Um, Alrighty. And if you did enjoy, as always, please like, share, comment, tell us your thoughts. We love hearing your feedback. And we will see you all next time. Bye. Bye. Love you. Now the boy.